0: Turn your Bible to the book of Jude, please. The book of Jude, J-U-D-E. This is the last book before the Revelation. You might say this is a teaching message today as well as a message that I pray will get to each of our hearts. we talking about the man Jude and his message. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good blessing of the Lord, the beautiful songs that have been sung, the way the primaries blessed our hearts with what they gave us a while ago. Brother Brian Solo, choir and lord we ask that the holy spirit will speak to every heart prepare us for what will happen in the days ahead we ask it in jesus name amen the book of jude has 25 verses one of the short books of the bible in the old testament there were two or three very brief books the New Testament 2nd and 3rd John very, very brief and Jude well Jude was probably preparing to write another gospel and he could well have done it because Jude it is understood was the half brother of the Lord but if you'll notice how he introduces the book it's clothed in humility and modesty. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to them that are sanctified by God and preserved in Jesus Christ and called mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Notice who Jude was. Jude's mother was Mary. The same mother that Jesus had. In all probability, his father was Joseph. The Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph had other children after the Lord Jesus was born. Jesus was the eldest son. His father was not Joseph. The father of the Lord Jesus was God himself. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit planted the seed in Mary's womb from which became the Lord Jesus Christ but Mary and Joseph had other children the Bible is clear to make it clear that Joseph did not know Mary until after the Lord Jesus was born among the other children were James and Jude Jude here himself calls himself the brother of James. He's not familiar with the Lord Jesus to the point where he says, I'm the brother of Jesus. He said, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And the brother of James, he says, I'm writing to those who are sanctified, that is, those who are God's children by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Notice those three terms sanctified, preserved, and called. This means that the ones he's writing to are people who are really saved, those who know the Lord Jesus. The way you came to know the Lord Jesus, God called you by the Holy Spirit. He sanctified you, that is, he set you apart as God's property, and then he has preserved you So James begins, Jude begins right at the beginning to remind us that those to whom he is writing, he's writing a severe warning, he's writing to save people. He's going to deal in a moment with apostasy. There's some who take this to mean that believers can be apostates. They can fall away from the grace of God, they can be lost after they're saved. Some people teach this, but the New Testament never, never teaches that. Notice beginning in verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, I was planning to write another book, maybe like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and Jude certainly could have written a full account of the early life of Jesus. But he says now, I found it was needful for me to write to you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. He's going to be here to talk about 28 terms that describe apostasy. Apostasy means you once seemed to be serving the Lord and you fell away from it. Keep in mind that term in its true sense does not apply to Christians. It's not applied to real believers. Those who have been born again, those who have been called, those who have been sanctified, those who have been preserved, we're saved forever. Being confident, of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you is able to perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. And so God is able to keep those who are saved. But notice, he said, I want you to contend for the faith because they give 28 terms to describe those who are apostates. 28 terms. I may mention some of them, maybe I'll mention all of them. But notice, they have crept in unawares, they were foreordained to this condemnation, they're ungodly, they turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness, they're denying the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are filthy dreamers, They defile the flesh, they despise dominion, they speak evil of dignities, they speak evil of those things which they know not. What they know is naturally, as brute beasts, those things they corrupt themselves, and so on and so on. 28 terms he uses to describe those who seem to be living for Jesus and go away. You ever known somebody that you thought was really a Christian and he goes away and denies the Lord and doesn't serve the Lord at all there are two things you can say about that person either they've either never been saved or if they were saved they're going to come back because he who has begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ so keep in mind if you're saved God's going to keep you saved He's not going to save you and then throw you out, then bring you back and throw you out again, bring you back and throw you out again. God doesn't do that. I want you to notice several things about these apostates. They crept in unawares. People were not aware of who they were. They came to the church. They seemed to be Christians. It turned the grace of God into lasciviousness or license. that denied the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he gives some illustrations. Remember verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance that ye once knew this, how the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. Now you can think of that. Here are all these people over a million people in, Israel, in Egypt, they'd been slaves for 400 years. God sent Moses down there to say to Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. And finally, after plagues, Pharaoh let the people go, and they all came out of Egypt. They all crossed into the wilderness. But notice what he says. having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Some of them got out of Egypt, with the crowd. You know some people get in the church, with the crowd. They're attracted, maybe by some special program the church puts on. They come, make profession of faith, but their hearts never changed. They've never been saved. So he's writing a severe warning. Be sure you're one of God's elect. Be sure you're God's child by faith. Be sure you know the Lord. Then he goes on to say, uh, look down to verse 11. Warned to them, for they've gone the way of Cain. They ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perish in the gainsaying of Kor. Three illustrations from the Old Testament. They've gone in the way of Cain. There were two sons, Cain and Abel. you remember how Adam and Eve were forgiven of their sins? They sowed fig leaves to hide their nakedness. God said, that'll never do. He went down and killed an animal. He shed blood, which was a symbol that one day Son of God would shed his blood to cover our sins for the blood of Jesus Christ God's Son cleanseth us from all sin then he took the skins of those animals and clothed Adam and Eve alright Cain and Abel knew about that they were the sons the Bible says in Hebrews 11 Abel offered unto the Lord a more Excellent sacrifice than Cain What was that excellent sacrifice? It was a blood sacrifice What did Cain do? He was a farmer and got his herbs and all the kinds of stuff he got And he offered to the Lord the best he had The best he could do I've talked to many people Or oh, you're a Christian Well I'm doing the best I can The best we can is not good enough Nobody ever gets to heaven By doing the best he can There's only one way to heaven. That's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to come as a sinner and recognize that we're a sinner, that Jesus saves sinners by his death on the cross. He substituted himself as a payment for our sin. Every sin has to be destroyed. Every sin has to be paid for. Every sin has to be punished. Jesus took the punishment for our sin himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us. All right. Now he says, some have come to the church by the way of Cain. They've done the best they could. That ain't good enough. But notice what else? They've gone greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward. Balaam was a seer. Some called him a prophet in the Old Testament. Balak called Balaam you come and I want you to curse Israel and Balaam said I can't do that I can only do what God told me to do but Balaam came anyway you know what he did he didn't curse Israel he told Balak how to do it he said you throw a great big party down there and have all the your sons go down and have the girls come And uh, get the sons of Israel to come down there. Have a big big shindig. And uh, they'll have a good time together. But in doing that. Thousands had to perish. Because Balaam was leading them the wrong way. For reward. He got a reward from Balak. And he led the people the wrong way. And they perished. Then he gives a third illustration. They perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Now, Korah is a man in the Old Testament who stood against Moses. Moses was God's servant. And Korah said, You act like you're the only holy man here. Uh, We all have to follow you. We'll do whatever we want to do. And so he led the people. In a rebellion against Moses, you know what God did—the first vision of hell—he opened the earth, and Korah and all those who followed him went down into a terrible fiery furnace in the earth. They perished. And He says, "Now these people, that have come to the church by the way of Cain, by the way of Balaam." By the way of korah they've done the best they could they're going to perish and he goes on to describe more about this look in verse 14 Enoch, also the seventh from adam prophesied of these saying behold the lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouths speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Now, he's quoting something from Enoch. Enoch is a non-scriptural prophetic book, and Enoch records that this happened. That God promised there would come a day of judgment. The choir sang about it this morning. It's a great day coming, a great day coming, when the Satan, the sinner will be parted right and left. Well, he's quoting Enoch and he says, God says that the Lord is coming with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all that believe not. So he's warning about this apostasy he's not saying you're a christian you may lose your salvation he's not saying that he's saying be careful keep your eyes open ask for discernment recognize that in the fellowship of believers there are people who are not saved they go the way of cain they go the way of balaam they go the way of of uh, korah and uh, they're going to be judged And yet, it takes spiritual discernment to recognize them. You may not know who they are until you have followed them to the jumping off place and you know you can't follow them any further. So keep that in mind. Now, there's a third thing and I'll be finished. The author, the apostasy, the admonition. Look in verse 20. And it gives at least eight ways to avoid all this happening. But ye beloved, building in yourselves, building up yourselves in your own most holy faith, he gives several ways. Number one, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, Bible and prayer go together. So I've mentioned Bible. If you want to grow in the Lord, take a portion of the Bible. Every day, read it, try to digest it. Ask yourself questions about it. In our Sunday School lessons this summer, we're studying some of the great men of the Old Testament. Today we studied uh, Elijah. And I gave a little sheet on uh, Elijah. If you answered those questions, you studied the book. You studied the man Elijah. You know more about him than you knew before, all right? Read the Bible, and then pray, praying in the Holy Ghost. There's no way to grow in the Lord without prayer. It's like, suppose you had a friend you never talked to that friend, never heard from him, never talked to him, never read, read his letter, uh, never talked to him on the phone, and yet you call him your friend. That friendship would, after a while, weaken. So it is with the Lord. If we don't read his word, we don't pray we get weak in our spiritual understanding then goes to keep yourselves in the love of god that is fellowship with god's people have make friends of god's children get to know god's people and love them your best friend ought to be god's people now there's nothing wrong with having a friend that's lost try to win that friend to the lord but if your best friend is a lost person and he drinks and crouses and cusses and swears and tells dirty jokes and you laugh at him you're participating with him best thing you can do your your friend that's unsaved is love him pray for him but try to give him jesus and these people come and knock on your door you know this is a day when when a lot of groups are out knocking on doors trying to get converts don't be mean to them don't say, get out of my house, get out of my door. What anything to do, do with you? No, love them. Pray for them, but beat them to the draw. When they come to your house, recognize who they are. And the best thing to do is say, you know, I'm so glad you came to see me today. I want to tell you what's the most important thing that ever happened to me. I got saved 10 years ago or five years ago or yesterday. I got saved. Jesus came to my heart. Anything that ever happened to you, you know what they'll do? They'll leave. Because nothing like that ever happened to them you don't have to be mean to people love people love the lost try your best to reach them for Christ all right look down here further uh, keep yourselves in the love of God that means obedience when uh, Ed Snyder was here he taught us a song O-B-E-D-I-N-C-E. Obedience is the very best way to show that I believe. The best way you can show we we believe in Jesus is to obey him. Obey his word. Obey his promises. Obey his his commandments. Follow him. Do what he tells you to do. Then he says, uh, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and eternal life. Think about heaven. We sing songs about heaven. Last night at the revival meeting we sang, meet me there. On that happy golden shore where the faithful part no more. Meet me there. Where the tree of life is been and so on. Well, you know, when we think about heaven, we think about the afterlife. We're not going to stay here forever. We're going to be here for a while. Maybe 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 80 years, some 100 years. But after a while, we're going to leave. Think about where you're going. Well, think of the home over there. As we think of that home over there, you just think of how beautiful heaven is gonna be. And think about it, let heaven dwell in your mind. Now, we need to watch this warning. Sometimes people say, you Christians, all you think about is a piece of pie in the sky when you die by and by. No, we can think about heaven, but the important thing about heaven is we want everybody to come. So we we'll invite others to come with us. That's when our teachers teach children. That's the reason this past week we had a core of workers working at a Bible school and they told people about Jesus and several came to know Jesus. That's when our Sunday school teachers work day by day by day to bring people to Jesus because we want them to go to heaven. Telling others about Christ, how to get to heaven, how to know the Lord. Then, last of all, Look at this. On some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear pulling them out of the fire, hating them with a garment of spotted by the flesh. And then look to him who is able to keep you from falling. I like that verse, don't you? You ought to mark verse 24 in your Bible. He's talking about the author. He's talking about apostasy. Now he's talking about admonition, How are you going to build your faith? You're going to build your faith by remembering that He is able to keep you from falling. How come you're never going to be lost after you're saved? Because He's able. Our God is able to deliver you. He's able to watch over you. He's able to keep you until that wonderful day when we go home to be with the Lord. Now that Him is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Notice a severe warning. We're surrounded by people who don't know the Lord. But a blessed assurance we're on our way home and He's able to keep us until that day. As we leave today, let's leave with a Joy of knowing that God is able. The reason you're on your way to heaven is not because you're good. Not because you found out how to live a good life and to keep yourself saved. No, no. You're on your way to heaven because He is able. He's done something wonderful in your life. He changed you. He came into your life and a miracle happened. When Christ comes in, there's a miracle that happens inside of us. God comes to live inside of us. He begins to show us from the inside how to live. Now, if you don't have that on the inside, you're not saved. The Holy Spirit shows you from the inside how to live for the Lord, how to serve him, what's wrong, what's right. He puts in your heart a desire for the things of God. That's when you're in church this morning, God put that desire there. If you have no desire to go to church, or you come to church you use your telephone, your text all the way through church, and you, uh, you know, get, get your mind on other things, there's a problem there. You may from, be from a Christian family. Your family may be going to, going to heaven, but you may not be. Only those who have been born again into the family of God. So I want to ask you in the closing today, have you been born again? Do you have that joy of knowing that He is able to keep you from falling and rent you faultless before the presence of His glory? Do you have that joy? Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you that Jesus is able to make all grace abound in our lives. We pray that there's one person in this place who has never been saved, that the Holy Spirit of God will bring attention and focus that that person's attention on the things of God. May someone come to Jesus today. We ask it in his name. Amen. Let's stand, please. 465.